We're live. All right. Welcome to Hebrews and Talks, episode, episode 15. 15. All right. Wow. Come a long way. Yeah. I hope everyone had a good week and everyone enjoyed uh, our episode last week, whether you watched it on YouTube or listened to it on Spotify. Uh, we always welcome our viewers and listeners. Um, yeah. Episode 14 is a good one. Yeah. Uh, you check that one out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you want to share your mug for us sure <laughs> episode 14 has never mind this is the uh this is the classic what i've been having this entire season mm-hmm. uh how does jesus make his coffee he brews it got mm-hmm. jesus smiling in there i got my i'll be back mug with jesus on it um just a reminder every day that yes jesus will be back amen i need to be ready truly um, I guess uh, let me just lay out our episode, kind of like where we're going uh, today. We have PSK leading the devotion in Hebrews, uh, and then we have uh, a, I guess, just a crash course on how to read your Bible. I think that's one of the most common things, mm-hmm. questions people ask, is how to read the Bible, and also uh, give some Bible recommendations. Uh, I've had people ask me what's a good study of Bible, what's a good Bible to read from, right. et cetera, et cetera. So I mm-hmm. want to share, or we want to share a few of those with you. And then we have a reaction video to a TikTok of this uh, nice student <laughs> asking a, I, we, what we believe to be an innocent and honest question. And so we just want to give our answer to his question, and then we'll close out the, the show that way. All right. All right, if you can lead us in our devotion today. Sure, we're in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. I'm not going to go too deeply into the subject. But I just want to comment on something that will help us get our mm. gears turning. Hopefully think about Jesus mm. in a different light. Hebrews 3, this is God's word. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more glory than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Mm. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. Mm. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. Mm. Amen. Amen. The uh, subtitle, uh, the title for the chapter, chapter 3, is Jesus Greater Than Moses. Mm. Now let me talk about Moses real quick because this is important. Moses is obviously an important figure mm. in the Bible, arguably one of the most, if not the most important character aside from Jesus Christ himself. The goat. The goat. Uh, Moses seriously is the goat. He's the goat, the greatest of all time leader, a uh, follower. Uh, he's humble. Like everybody alludes back to Moses. He's like the MJ of the Old Testament, right? Like everyone talks about Moses' ministry, the time period of Moses. And yeah, King David and King Solomon and Abraham, these figures are talked about too. But Moses is like exalted. He's really, in many ways, he's put on this pedestal because like not only... Uh, was he humble and, and, and godly in character? Really, through his ministry, uh, you, you see and you read and you hear about 
God doing these extraordinary things, mm. things that cannot be measured up to by other miracles and whatnot. And Moses is intentionally exalted in many ways in scripture, I believe. And he's supposed to be heightened in our eyes because he's alluding to Jesus in so many different ways. Like they have so many different parallels and ministry. As Moses wandered the wilderness for 40 years, Jesus also went to the to the wilderness for 40 days. Uh, Moses had an experience on Mount Sinai. Jesus was transfigured on Mount Sinai. They have like all of these different um, parallels because mm-hmm. Moses is supposed to be pointing to somebody who's going to be even greater than Moses himself. Right. Um, the reason why I'm gassing on Moses so much is because that's actually how you're supposed to read Hebrews chapter three, verses one through six. If you don't understand how heightened, how great, how influential, and that's a very applicable word today, especially, how influential Moses was to the Israelites, to the mm. Hebrews. Mm. And it's kind of like if you were talking to this generation, if you bring up MJ, Michael Jordan, is not going to really have much of an effect, even though we know MJ was the GOAT. But if you bring up somebody like LeBron, right, especially as of late, people are going to be talking about like, oh my gosh, LeBron, he's the GOAT. Like, he's amazing. Like, you need to understand from the Hebrews perspective, Hebrews meaning the Jews, mm-hmm. their perspective of Moses to understand what it's really saying about Jesus. It's kind of like saying like, like for us, like nowadays, when you look out into the world, who are the people that influence culture? Like back then, a few years ago, it was like Jay-Z, it was Kanye, it was Mariah Carey, it was Rihanna. But nowadays, it's like people like Andrew Tate and David Goggins and, and these, these, these TikTok influencers, TikTok stars. And not to bash on them, but these guys, they were really influential. Uh, but you're supposed to view Moses kind of in, in a similar light. But it's saying that Jesus is even greater than Moses himself. Mm. And it's interesting. I want to close my thoughts, my devotional with verse 6. It says, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house. And it it gives us a condition because it says, if, if indeed we hold fast our confidence Mm -hmm. and our boasting in our hope. Mm -hmm. With all the examples I gave of influential characters and people in today's contemporary terms, you see that people talk about them. Mm. People boast about them. They have confidence of their opinion of them. Like, we are so confident that MJ would have dominated in this generation. But this generation is so confident in LeBron because it's their goat. Mm. Andrew Tate, the people that follow his lifestyle and follow his, uh, I don't know what it's called exactly, but like, the escape from the matrix and get rich off of his his method of getting rich and and uh, making a living in the way that he did. They have this confidence about and it affects how they look. They they dress the way that he dresses. They shave their head to be like him. They they talk like him. Mm-hmm. There is this confidence and boasting about them. Mm-hmm. And there is a condition. My God is faithful to us, His house. If indeed we are His house, if indeed we also hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. So you have to ask the question, right? Like as many pastors like to do, especially in the Korean American context, they love to talk about Moses, right? As a lot of people like to do out in the world, they love to talk about the people they have confidence in, that they hold to a high self, to a high esteem. Mm -hmm. 
Why is it that we as his house are not talking about Jesus if he is greater than all of these figures? Mm. Jesus is greater than Andrew Tate. He's greater than MJ. He's greater than, this this sounds very stupid, but he's greater than all these people. He's more influential. Yeah. And he's greater than Moses. Right. Um, yeah, we need to exalt him. Yeah. I mean, the whole Bible is about Jesus, right? Moses is a, was a type of Jesus mm-hmm. to show us what Jesus will do, right? In a, in a bigger, on a bigger scale. Yeah. Uh, so as we read the Bible, and it kind of segues right into our, our primary segment. As we read the Bible, we have to realize the Bible, the central message, if I had to say one sentence, is it's about Christ. Mm-hmm. Right, Christ from cover to cover. It's all about Jesus and what uh, He's going to come and do in the Old Testament, what He came and did in the New Testament, and the fact that He'll come back again. Yep. Uh, so when we're, I guess we're, when we're reading the Bible, um, I guess there are many different approaches that one can take in reading. But aside from like you know, yes, we pray before we read and we ask God's insight on the passage we're about to read, or even while we're reading, we pray, God, help me to understand what this is saying. Um, but I, I guess beyond that, we want to give more like a practical step by step. And for me, uh, just real brief, I just like to, uh, I find the headings, uh, helpful too, right? Headings, subheadings, but also I try to look at the, the context, uh, of the book itself. So if I'm in Hebrews, uh, I would study up on what was the background for Hebrews, right? Who was a possible writer? Because we don't know. Uh, we can assume, I, I'm assuming it's Paul, but there, we don't know who the writer of Hebrews is. Uh, but we look up what was going on at that time. Uh, what was the context? What was the reason for the letter? And then understanding that, you go into uh, the book. And as you read the book, um, I, I come to realize that small words that have such big impact, mm-hmm. like words like but <laughs> and conjunctions, right? And if. And if, and therefore, like all these uh, things have, all these words have an impact. And when those words come up, uh, I reread what was said beforehand to help me to understand uh, what's going on in, in the present verse. Um, yeah, and as I, as I do that, I come to understand, um, you know, what the, what the Bible is saying, at least for me. And then just mm-hmm. very brief, just nutshell. Mm-hmm. It's all about context, understanding the context. And using other verses to help you to understand uh, the verses that you may not understand. Yeah. If that makes sense. And I think we should talk real quick about just mention, like emphasize, I guess, because you did mention it, like why it is we're talking about, you know, how to read the Bible. Mm. It's not simply something that we, we should do and have to do as Christians. It's not simply, it's not legalistic. Right. And you said, and you said it when you said the Bible, um, to its core, it leads to Christ, at least to Jesus. Yeah. And if he really is heightened in our personal like minds, then we want more of Jesus. In the same way that we are influenced, our generation is influenced by, my generation is influenced by, by Andrew Tate, mm-hmm. right? Like they look like him, they speak like him nowadays and, and for many times, for, for better or for worse, right? But he, uh, in the same way, like if we truly have confidence in Jesus in that way, why don't we, why don't we talk like him? Mm. Why don't we look more like him? Why don't we have this desire to be more like him? Mm. I realize, like, as Jesus, as my view of Jesus, as it was heightened, like when I'm not like Jesus throughout the day, I feel really bad about myself, mm. right? Not that I'm, I'm supposed to be perfect, obviously, like we're not supposed to be perfect. But like when I'm be- when I can actually notice and observe that I'm becoming more like Jesus, then I'm like, wow, like praise God, like I'm actually becoming more like Him, 
Mm. And uh, it's it's just natural. Like it's not to exalt myself. It's natural for all people. Like if you if you if you have confidence in somebody or something, and uh, if you boast about them, then you naturally are drawn to actually becoming like them, talking like them, right. walking like them. And and the way you do that, of course, reading the word leads you to salvation, to life, to eternal life, to knowing Him. But it also it helps you actually walk throughout your life and your walk uh, to actually be like him. And uh, yeah, I think, I think context is really important. Like even adding upon on top of what you said, there's like a lot of debates on, you know, like the authorship and whatnot. Those stuff, are, those stuff is definitely important. Uh, I think Hebrew is even asking the question, like, is the author ambiguous on purpose? Like, mm-hmm. is there, is there, sure. is there a reason and purpose behind that? Uh, are we supposed to know the author? Uh, and I think it's important still to ask, Mm-hmm. Uh, people say you know Paul. A lot of people say Luke. A lot of you know whatever. But uh, I don't know actually. Actually, no. But um, what I like to do. And this is very practical and very simple, and I think very helpful. Like if you're reading through an entire book for your personal devotional time, and I think you should. Or I don't think you should be just jumping around. Right. Um, and that's I guess something you can take away too. I like to actually when I open up the Bible, not just immediately dive into the next chapter that I'm on. Just very briefly, you don't even have to read it. Just very briefly look back, look at the look at the titles that the translations usually give you. Be like, what did I read last week? Right, especially if it's like historical or it's a narrative. You have to give yourself a refresher on like what was the previous passage about. Right. Um, I think that's practical as well. I think um, at the same time, like I just like to say, like it doesn't. Um, like I think a lot of people think or might think that like pastors, when they read the Bible, they catch everything and they have mm-hmm. like in-depth study every single time they read the Bible. <laughs> yeah. That's not true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we, we actually will talk about translations as well. But like for me, like I have, I have multiple copies of the Bible. Like I love buying new Bibles. I don't, I, I got a new Bible. This is a new Bible. This is a hundred dollars. And after I bought, it, I looked it up and I found out this exact copy of the Bible is $60 but they added an extra 40 for the design and the engravement of my, my initials uh, in the bottom uh, right corner. But, but still, like, it's worth it. I think I love how there's like margins on the side I can write notes on because yeah. I love writing notes on my Bible. Um, I guess I can talk about that too. But um, I have one, one of the translations I have. It's not, it's not all one translation. I have an NLT, a New, New Living Translation uh, Bible. Mm. And uh, sometimes I'll just read that because like it's it's a lot easier to digest, um, and it's it's obviously a different approach to translation. But like though in my mind and though what I've been told, like oh that's not the best, it's like an okay translation. Mm-hmm. Like I'll still read that because like there are days where like I don't have the brain power to like really think things through, and I'll just kind of like read it just so I can spend time with the Lord mm-hmm. and hear from Him. And I think I think that's a good like that's an that's a reassuring thing to talk about, right? Like guys like. Don't stress the reason why the Bibles we have in the English or really in any modern language, the reason why we call it translations is because they're translations, right? Yeah. Like the ESV is not the um is not the original is not like I don't know how to word this without like like setting off alarms, but <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna say this, but take this with a grain of salt. Okay, like your the Bible you have in your hand, the the literal copy. I'm not talking about the content itself, but the copy you have, the translation you have. This is not the inerrant, infallible words of God. 
this is what I mean by that. Okay, when when my professor told me this, and when my mentor told me this too, it, it shocked me. I was like, whoa, like who are you? Like are you are you are you blaspheming? Are you a heretic? And he was saying, no, like the laws of inerrancy, meaning by the way, inerrancy means there uh there is no error, and infallibility right. meaning it cannot make error of right. the words of God, mm-hmm. is not referring to the translation. It's referring to the original manuscripts of the God, the autographs of Scripture. Right, and so. These are just translations, right? And so the reason why I bring that up, these are good translations. And we'll yeah. talk about, you know, the, I think it's important to mention just like, uh, don't don't stress about things like that, right? Like uh, my hermeneutics professor told me, and hermeneutics is like interpretology. It's like how to read the Bible, which is what we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. Uh, he told me, and he's a hermeneutics professor, and he's teaching, you know, seminary students, future pastors, current pastors, how to read the Bible. He said... When people ask me what's the best translation in the Bible today in, in the English, he says probably the one that you have. Mm. Yeah, he says don't stress about it. Right, just we have good translations. Obviously, there's some translations that are whack and weird, mm-hmm. uh, but just read the translation you have. So long as you can understand it, you don't have to really stress about it. Um, but yeah, all that to just say like I, sometimes like I just read. Like I don't I don't stress about like oh how do I read like oh I don't get everything like I don't really understand many things. If I just get one thing and 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 the Lord speaks to me and I find peace and comfort in that, I think that's okay. Right? Like don't yeah. we're not we're not doing this to tell you guys like, oh, if you're not reading your Bible a certain way, if you're not reading a specific translation, if you're not like picking out every detail, like shame on you. Mm. There's a time and place for that for sure. And everyone should know how to do it. Mm. Um that's why we're educated and that's why we have this huge advantage over many people. Um I think uh yeah. why we are doing this is um, to encourage people to read their Bible and also mm-hmm. make it seem less intimidating. I think yeah. a lot of times why people don't open their Bible and read it is just, they just find it intimidating because they right. know it's God's word and it's hard to understand and they just don't know how to how to approach it or right. how to read it. Um, they feel like they have to do all this like background study to even like begin to understand the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but hopefully through our, you know, our talk about how to read the Bible, it'll make it less intimidating and it'll give you a heart to, Hey, let me open up the Bible and, and read today. Yeah. And that's our goal uh, mm-hmm. for this segment. Um, yeah. yeah. I think, um, I think this helped me a lot. Like, you know, like every Christian has gone through this, but like, you're like, I'm going to read the Bible with, this year, this is this is the day that I'm starting. Like I'm gonna be faithful to it, mm-hmm. uh, in it. And uh, you open up Genesis one, and you're really good for a few a few weeks, maybe even for months. And then you you give up. You stop at some point, usually around Leviticus yeah. or Numbers or something something like that. Uh, and then you're maybe like a year later, you're like okay, like now this is the year, and you open back up the Genesis. Genesis yeah. And like you, it got to, it gets to the point where like for people who grew up in the church. Like, you know Genesis so well, like, because you've read it so many times. I think something that helped me kind of look past that and, and not feel so bad about that is you're going to be reading the Bible for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. It's not one of those books where you read one time and you just put it down. Right. You re- you have 50, 70, Lord willing, you know, 80, 100 years to actually read the Bible. Mm-hmm. So meaning like, you know, if you, if you, if it takes you a year or two to get through it your first time, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I think my goal is to actually read the Bible like a hundred times before I die. And that's really hard because on average it takes like a year and a half to like two years to, to get through the Bible. And so I'd have to read it multiple times a year to actually right. get to it, get to my goal. But 
But like, I think that helped me. It's a lot healthier view of actually reading the Bible. Mm. Like you're going to take some time to get through the book. I would say before stressing about like all the details, just get through it, right? Uh, You can start in the New Testament. I think that helps a lot, especially for for people. Yeah, because like like Pastor June was talking about, context is key, right? Like it's really important. But if you read the Old Testament, most people, unless you're a historian, you're not going to know the context. Mm -hmm. And so unless you're getting some sort of like seminary training. um, Yeah, and so start in the New Testament. That helps a lot. After you read the New Testament, I would, my advice, this is not obviously God's word, but my advice is then you go to the Old Testament mm. and then just get through it. Take like a year or two to get through it. Once you get through it, then you can actually start stressing like, okay, like my second time through, how do I want to do this? Mm. Um, but yeah, that'd be my first advice. Just read it. Yeah, yeah just read through. it. Um, in the New Testament, uh, a lot of people start in Matthew, obviously, because the first book in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. But I recommend actually starting in John. I feel like John is a good, because uh, the point of his book is to prove that Jesus is the Son of God, right, the Christ. Yep. And so everything in his book, you'll notice the other three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are a little bit different compared to John. Because sure. uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke is more like a chronological order of what happened, whereas John is more like a mix of things that Jesus did and also discourses like his teachings, mm-hmm. uh, all to prove that Jesus is the, the Son of God. And it has, and it parallels to the beginning of, you know, chapter one parallels to Genesis chapter one, where like he talks about creation. Mm. Everything is created because of Jesus, who is the word of God, right? Who is God. And so start from there mm-hmm. um, and then just read on through. Um, I recommend reading Proverbs, just whatever the date is, you read that chapter. There are 31 chapters right. in Proverbs. So it's a good amount of wisdom to, to you know, not bad to have wisdom, right? So mm. just reading the, that, that, the date, the chapter according to the date for Proverbs is good. Um, and I know Leviticus gets really hard, right? And Numbers gets really hard because you read about all these like laws that they had to follow, you know, for a skin disease, for a bleeding wound. Like Names, some of it, some of it is kind of like, yeah. some of it gets kind of gross and you're just like, what's the point of this? Uh, but what helps me get through Leviticus is I see God's heart, right? His heart to protect his people, not just spiritually, but physically. Right? All those things that they had to do, think about it, they're in the wilderness, right? How easily disease can spread. Yeah. Uh, so all, they have to follow all this protocol, right? Isolate, quarantine, I guess. It was, it's not a human idea. God, God has it in the Bible. You quarantine, and then when you're, when you're good to go, you can come back, you know, join the rest of the, the, the group. Uh, but I just see God's hand even in that is his heart to protect his people. And he was teaching the people how to love because he tells you what to do if you like accidentally, you know, um, kill your neighbor's ox or mule, like what to do, like (laughs) all these like tedious little things, like scenarios. But even in that, we see how detailed God is and he's teaching his people how to love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that's what helps me kind of get through uh, that, that part of the Bible. Um, but yeah, ultimately, we want to make sure we're reading the word because if we say we love God, right, why would we not read the word? Yeah. Um, don't be intimidated by it. It's tough. I don't think it gets easier the more you read. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just realize how much you missed the yeah. more you read. Like things, pick, I pick up new things all the time when I'm reading. I'm like, oh, my, was it there this whole time? Like, why am I now just seeing it? Yeah. <laughs> things like that. So, yeah. Um, I'm a PSK if you want to, like, Tell them kind of how you go through. Yeah. Um, 
If I'm, yeah, like, uh, usually, if it's like personal devotion, I'll just read. Like, I won't, I won't stress details very often. I'll slow down when I have to. I'll reword, I'll reread, uh, you know, paragraphs or sentences or verses, whatever it may be. If I, if I real, if I catch myself zoning off, but uh, I think normally, I'll just read. What I do is I, I focus more on like getting through the word of God as many times as possible. Mm-hmm. You ever hear like the, um, the, uh, the analogy like photographers. If you don't know this, like professional photographers, they don't, they're not, they're not so talented that they'll take like one photo perfectly and and get it, right? right? They'll take thousands of, literally thousands of pictures, even of the same thing. And they'll, they'll, the real work happens like after they take the pictures where they go back home, they look through all those thousands of copies of the same picture and they pick out the one that's a masterpiece. And I, I kind of, I really agree with that approach that's why i say my goal is 100 times you read the word of god as many times as possible and eventually like you said like every time you read it you catch something new you'll catch enough things to like be able to be pretty familiar with the words of god mm-hmm. and so i typically as more for my personal devotion i have a different approach to you know to sermon prep and bible study we've talked a little bit about that in a previous episode my personal devotion i'll just i think more about how much to read and this is very tricky because you don't want to be like, okay, like this is my homework. Read this many, check off. There right. are days where I read less than this set. Yeah, uh, yeah. There are days where I read mo- much more. Yeah. Uh, but to, if, you, if you are going to set a goal to read the Bible in one year, you need to read three to four chapters a day. Just, just FYI for your information, right? And so mm-hmm. what I normally do is I'll read two chapters in the Old Testament uh, because the Old Testament is much bigger than the New. And then I'll read one chapter in the new testament and so i'll kind of be following two different books mm-hmm. uh, which is a little tricky but that's why i say always go back and remind yeah. you refresh yourself on what you read before and then as pastor eugene you know so wisely recommended i do one chapter of psalm and then when i'm done with psalm i'll i'll supplement it with proverbs instead and so i've I, actually i know a lot of people who do the one proverb a day thing mm-hmm. uh, but because my goal is to try to get through the bible mm-hmm. every single year i'll just do a psalm uh, coinciding with the uh, the, chap- the two chapters from Old Testament, one chapter mm. from New. And then when I finish the psalms, I'll, go- I'll move on to Proverbs. Mm. And I'll get through the Bible in about a year doing that. Mm-hmm. So I read about three to five chapters a day. I try to, at least. Some days I don't. Sometimes I'll, I'll just read the psalm, right? Because um, because I just don't get around to it. Not that that's an excuse. I just don't. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's what, I, that's what I really stress on and focus on for m- myself personally. Um, I think, I th- just going a little bit back to what you said about starting in John, I think that's really good advice. Like, without even, like, thinking of it in that way, I realized, as you were saying that, I was thinking back, that's something that I normally tell people. I think, like, when people who just start reading the Bible or who have been coming out of church for a little bit, but I know that I'm not sure if they're saved or not mm-hmm. or what their view on Jesus is, I'll always go to John immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of, it goes along with what we've been saying about context, like Matthew as well. It has a lot of like the genealogy. Like, what are you supposed to do with that if you yeah. don't understand the Old Testament? Right. Um, so John is a little more straightforward. I like it. I like Mark too as well for people. Uh, but again, like it's kind of like Genesis, the Genesis thing. Like people read Matthew over and over and over again because they try yeah. to read the, the New Testament, but they read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and they're like, this is the same thing over and over again. Like, why am I reading four <laughs> different, four different gospels? Right. And so yeah, I think John's a great place to start. 
Um, but yeah, I think if people are looking for, you know, like resources, once mm-hmm. they feel like it is time to uh, get into a more in-depth study of the words of God, I think we have a few of those as well. Oh, uh, yeah, some? yeah. Uh, so I was kind of digging through my library and these are uh, just what I use for references. So they're not really marked up. But the first one, actually, this was the one that my dad, my dad got me once I graduated seminary. Oh, wow. It's a life application study Bible. So if you're looking for, uh, this is the NIV version, uh, but regardless of the version, uh, if you're looking for um, just strictly application, like how do I apply this to my life? Uh, this is very helpful, actually. They give you like footnotes. Oh. It's kind of falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what but, the? <laughs> yeah, like the leather. I think it's like a fake leather thing. Uh-huh. But um. It's got your name on it. Yeah, so he has, he got it inscribed. But on the in the footnotes, it kind of gives you uh, things, uh, ways you can uh, you you can apply the the various verses in your life. Oh, that's cool. Uh, so if you have a hard time with application, this might be a good uh, Bible for you to take a look at. Um, it's the Tinsdale. But I mean, if you if you Google, I'm sure it'll show up. A life application Bible. Yeah, um, I like the NIV or the older NIV. NIV. Yeah, that's but, what I started out with actually. The yeah, NIV. Same. Um, yeah. And then, uh, this one, you know, if you look, if you're looking for a good study Bible, I have the MacArthur, the MacArthur, uh, study Bible here. Um, this one's also good. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> you got it on your, you got it all over your new Bible. It's uh, okay. But the thing is, the catch is it's in new King James version. So it's a little bit hard to, hard to understand, but he gives you a lot of good notes, uh, underneath. They explain the different passages. Again, I just use it for reference, so I don't really mark this up. Mm. So it looks like a brand new Bible. But um, yeah, it gives you a, the footnotes I find really uh, helpful. Uh, so there is that one. Uh, if you want another good study Bible, this is the one I recommend the most. It's the ESV. Crossway. The, the one that looks like a dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> the one that a lot of people lug around. Is this one. Yeah. The good old faithful. ESV. This one also, same thing. Um, well, it's a, yes, it's an ESV version, so it's easier to understand, but also the footnotes helps a lot. Um, kind of giving you context. It has notes before the books, just uh, explaining the context of mm-hmm. you know what that book was, uh, where, when it was written, who it was written by, yep. all the information you need to help you to understand uh, the book you're about to read. Uh, so ESV is good. If you are looking for a good apologetics, all right, right? some people want to know you know, how do I defend my faith um, to non-believers when they question uh, my faith? I found a study Bible just for that called the Apologetics Study Bible. I haven't right? seen this one yet. This one is actually, uh, it's really helpful, actually. Uh, again, the footnotes um, kind of gives you references, uh, how to, like, uh, references to use to defend your faith. Um, I haven't opened it in a while, but it might even have like topical things too, uh, as references towards the back of the Bible, if I remember correctly. But uh, it just offers you, oh yeah, like um, I just turned to a good one here. What, oh, wow. what does the Bible say about abortion? It's like another whole section, like an article within the Bible uh, that gives you, you know, references on what, what on what the Bible says about various topics. So if you're looking for a good apologetics uh, Bible. Um, this one is a is a good one that I recommend. Can I actually borrow this? Yeah, if it's possible. All right, yeah, I'm yeah. actually running through like a apologetics and philosophy course, a series with my youth, and so we're we're already in part three. But this this would be helpful, actually. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. All right, cool. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
right. Yeah, there are a lot of uh, you know Bibles out there, mm-hmm. and we talked a little bit a little bit about the different uh, versions. Um, yeah. I'll say they're all good. The only one would be the Message. I would not consider that. I mean, and he makes it clear too. He says it's not uh, a version or a translation of the Bible. But the if you don't know, the Message was written by uh, Eugene uh, Peterson, I think is the name, but um, he wrote it as using everyday language to make the Bible as easy to understand as possible. That was his goal. Uh, so then in order to accomplish that goal, a lot of times the, the verses kind of sound a little too casual. And uh, yeah, so just take that with a grain of salt too. Mm. Uh, you, it's a, if you want to use it as a way to help you understand the tough passage, you know, go ahead, but don't uh, go around, you know, quoting the message like it's, like it's a uh, real uh, Bible translation. Mm-hmm. Uh, just use it as, I guess, a tool if you need to, uh, to help you understand the you know, parts of the Bible that are tough. Yeah, I think, I think um, this episode is very obviously directed. It's not very conversational. It's directed towards you guys, but I think it's, it's, it's just helpful to understand, you know, the resources that you have at hand, mm-hmm. right? Like, just very quickly, like, why why there are different translations is because not that they're, the, message is, the message opposes each other, but that it's a different approach to translation. It's a translation, right? And so uh, it's the same message, but they're translating it in either, like, like P uh, mentioned and brought up, a more digestible way, like the message, mm-hmm. um, like ESV, NIV, NLT, or a more you know, true to form and so that you, you can catch as many of the the original details uh, yeah. within, you know, the, the text itself as possible. And so ESV is a, a little bit leaning more towards, for example, uh, towards the right, like form. It, it tries to retain the form as much as possible mm-hmm. while also using, you know, contemporary language. Uh, the reason why people, you know, put, uh, put the ESV and things like the NLT and NIV at opposition, even though they're not opposing each other, yeah. is because... The NLT and NIV also kind of lean more towards the left, where not left like political <laughs> sense, yeah. but left in the sense of uh, it just tries to make it a little more readable and digestible. And so yeah. there's pros and cons to both, right? Like, like we said already with this one, uh, the left, right? Like it's, it's more readable. Like mm-hmm. even pastors, you know, can benefit from this when, when they just want to read, they want to sit down, sip on some coffee and just, just enjoy the, the words of God, right? Then. Uh, without having to worry about preparing for Bible study or a sermon, they can just read like the NIV. I think NIV, they've changed the translation a, a few times throughout the yeah. years. I think I think NIV, the newer editions, are kind of going past, you know, the the spectrum of form versus readability. And so I think I would actually be a little careful. I think they are changing uh the message a little bit. And we could talk about that a little bit. But I, I will just say, like, if you have an older NIV, you're probably okay. You're probably safe. It's, it's the uh, 1983. 1983. Yeah, is, this is, is good. The, this, this is, is definitely good. The 2003 and before should be good. Anything after that, I think. You see 2003, 2001. But any other editions like 2007 and onward is is probably not that good. Um, so kind of like similar to the message type. Yeah, kind of close to that side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. I I really like the NLT. I'll, I'll notice things that the NLT misses because again they're they're trying to approach you mm-hmm. know delivering the words of God to mm-hmm. people who are less familiar. A lot of people love to stress how good the ESV is, and I agree. Right? Yeah, I'm not ESV saying, is good. ESV is amazing. It's yeah. great. 
Um, but it's not, I heard somebody say, and they were joking. And so this is a good friend of mine, but he was like, ESV stands for uh, the eternal, eternal, um, oh, I forgot what he said. He was just saying like, it's so, oh, eternal superior version. That's what he said. <laughs> That's not what it stands for. It's not what it means. not what it is. <laughs> ESV is the English standard version. Mm-hmm. Uh, it holds true to form very closely mm-hmm. while still um you know delivering the message in a relatively digestible way right yeah right just be aware of that i i say all that to let you know like you know you know why why it's good to reference multiple translations at sure. one time if you're confused why go to commentaries like this mm-hmm. yeah i think um just find a, the version that you're comfortable with uh and just read it mm-hmm. i think the important thing is just to read it doesn't matter what version you have, uh, yeah. but find one that works for you um, and just get through the Bible. Uh, you know, they say if you do something enough, if you do something for two weeks straight, it becomes a habit. So it only takes two weeks, right? Once you get into the Bible every day for two weeks, your body's going to adjust and it's going to become, I mean, not that we read it out of habit, mm. but it's going to get into that r- normal routine where you open up the word uh, just as easily as we would flip through our phone to do social media, right? Um, so hopefully our you know segment here about how to read the Bible was helpful. Like our different um, reference books that we've uh, recommended here is helpful. Uh, but we just want to encourage everyone uh, to get into the habit of reading yep. uh, and reading the Word. Yep. There's one more yeah. quick uh, resource you can use. This is an online one. And uh, this is, as of recent years, it was... This company was, you know, controversial in some circles, but I think for for this purpose, the um the Bible Project videos on every book of the Bible, oh, yeah, yeah, those, yeah, are, really those are really good. Yeah, like um, scratch, like you know, the, you know what people are talking about, like in terms mm-hmm. of controversy. Just go to those, especially when you think, okay, I've gone through the New Testament, mm-hmm. even for the New Testament, and you think, but especially for when like, oh, it's time to go into the Old Testament. And you need context without, you know, going to seminary or whatever mm-hmm. it is, asking your pastor even, which you should. But go to the Bible Project videos. Mm-hmm. Just simply look up, you know, like Genesis Bible Project video. Watch. It's short, but it's also entertaining. Like the yeah. art is very, uh, very, very cool. It's <laughs> you very, get kind of sucked in, but it's yeah. very informative. It's very, very yeah. informative. And and they, they uh, give you this basic outline of the context of right. the book that you're about to read, but also how you're supposed to read it. Right. And so it's to this day... I haven't done it in a while, but like sometimes I'll still go back, and especially mm-hmm. if it's like a book I haven't read a long for a long time in a long time in the Old Testament. I'll go back to those videos and I'll just skim through it, and uh, I'll be like, yeah. "Oh yeah, right." And so that's a good resource it's, to use. Yeah, it's a good quick uh, reference mm-hmm. if you if you don't want to like read about it. There's an, another way is you can uh, see it, watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. All right. I guess uh, PSK has a. Uh, the the TikTok ready. He he stumbled upon this, I guess, a couple of weeks ago, and he had just told me about it. But uh, I guess I'll be watching it here on, on live on this episode, uh, and we'll just react to uh, this guy's question. Just real quick, uh, you know, we're not we're not we're not putting this kid on blast. No, no, at all. It's just I just thought it was funny, and like for those of you who are in my youth who who listen to this or who have been in my youth you'll understand why i thought it was funny you guys think it's funny too uh, but it's just my philosophy on ministry and um but yeah this kid he makes a quick tiktok video it's very short so i'm gonna have to pause it to read it for you uh, but here it is 
that's basically it. He doesn't really do anything. But it says, <laughs> for those of you who can't really see it, it's kind of hard to read. It says, why aren't, why are not church dates a thing? Like, let's go to church, worship Jesus, hold my hand during prayer and pray with me. I'll pray for you. Let's trust Jesus together through the good and the bad. Jesus at the center of it all. All right. First of all, Pastor Eugene, what, what are your thoughts on this? <laughs> I'm going to throw it to you first. Well, like we said, like uh, I, we at the start of this episode, we truly believe this guy is just asking an honest question. Mm-hmm, yeah. I don't think he means anything anything by it. Mm-hmm. So um, that question, I think uh, we need to understand the reason why we go to church, right? Uh, number one is to, to essentially not, not for dating, not to find a wife, so to speak. I know some... You know, single people they they do go <laughs> around churches to to look for a, a spouse, but that's not the primary reason for going to church. So my initial reaction would be, you know, uh, like PDA at church. I guess we can even dive into that because he talks about holding hands while you pray. But even that, it's not it's not meant for uh, some like PDA, right? Public displays of of affection. And it was funny because one of our EC. Uh, one of our English congregation uh, members even asked me, like, is it a rule between you and like my wife and also the other pastors to not show PDA at church? Because they realized none of the pastors showed PDA <laughs> at church. And I, I thought about it, I was like, actually, I didn't even realize that, right? And no, it's not a hard festival. It's not like I tell my wife every every day before going to church, like, hey, we can't hold hands. Uh, you know, we can't show PDA. Uh, but it's just the fact that we're at church, right? We're focused on God. Of course, like me being in ministry kind of doesn't eliminates even having the time uh, to do that, uh, you know, hold hands or anything with my wife. But uh, the fact that we're at church worshiping God, we're focused on God, it just puts aside the PDA because um, we're all in about uh, on worshiping God. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did tell that, that, uh, that member, there was one time when we, it, it just uh, it didn't even occur to us, but we did hold hands on the way to the parking lot. It was like way after church was over, not that many people were there. But that's not why. It's just like this naturally. We were walking to the parking lot, so mm-hmm. we held hands. So I, I recall that. But again, there's no hard, fast rule. It's not like all the staff at our church signed something saying that they're not going to show PDA. Yeah. But I think it just shows like we're, we want to focus and make it all about God. And we don't want to have distractions. Mm-hmm. Um or have our heart be divided in any way. We want to solely de- dedicate it. Um, not that, you know, it's so, that's only supposed to happen on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, every day we devote ourselves, obviously, to God. Mm-hmm. But when we're there at church as a body, uh, we're there to worship. Yeah. Uh, worship Him wholly and give Him all that we have um, during worship. So we can save that for later, right? After church, you know, if you like someone, you ask them out. Just don't go on a Sunday. <laughs> To, to on a date but um you can say that for later but while we're at church though uh we should it should be centered around uh, around god yeah I, mean, I think it's i think it's precious that this kid by the way he's, he's uh just in case right like his tiktok is wes dot rogers uh it seems like i'm looking off to the side right now he makes like other like one of the captions is god is the best matchmaker and uh i think it is very precious that he you know, wants to have a Christ-centered relationship, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's good, right? But I think a lot of a lot of people get this, especially my generation, we get this wrong, right? We think a Christ-centered relationship means like we are 
it's almost like we're using Jesus for the relationship. Mm. That's totally wrong, mm-hmm. right? Like, right. even in marriage, the purpose is not to actually use Jesus to keep the marriage together. God's people, whether it's relationships, whether it's platonic relationships, no matter what, God's people, whether we're gathered or alone, we're supposed to be people looking at God, just right. in awe of Him, worshiping Him. Right. And so to call, you know, going to church a date, that's to really feed into this idea. And he's not intentionally doing this, right? Yeah. He's just, he, he yeah. really is being genuine. But like, it's, it's feeding into this idea that this generation has. They're like, oh, like, we can be Christian, but like, let's actually focus so much, like more on, you know, like we're getting, it's, it's, it's allowing people to distract themselves from the Lord. Yeah. When really, like when we gather the church, especially like, on, like when we worship the Lord, we're supposed to be people who in unison are just looking up right. like at him. And so it's not supposed to be this like, oh, like let's hold hands. Like, oh, we're being a good Christian couple. Yeah. No, like, no, we're just all, you know, in awe of him, you know? Yeah. And I, the reason why I bring this up and I thought it was funny to share with PE was because my youth and I, we, we talk about this a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. And not because we want to idolize it, but because I understood pretty early on, I caught on pretty quickly that, even though I don't want to deal with the drama and I'd rather not talk about relationships, mm-hmm. especially as youth pastors, you kind of have to because right. it is a big deal for the kids. And so yeah. uh, like my kids, it's gotten to the point where one of the, one of my, one of the parents of my youth like, came and told me this story on a Sunday and he asked his son, which I love, he's such a good kid. Uh, he asked his son, you know, why, hey, why don't you have a, why don't you have a girlfriend? Right, like, why are you single? Right, like at your age, like I was dating, one not, and uh, and the dad said, you know, what he told me, he said, he said, single from the womb, single to the tomb, <laughs> and uh, he 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 like laughed, and I laughed too because that was actually I did a sermon series on singleness and and uh, devote securing your devotion to the Lord. That was the main point. It wasn't relationships. wasn't the main point of the sermon series. It was securing your devotion mm-hmm. to the Lord, mm-hmm. and he quoted the the uh, the title of the sermon series which is supposed to be like a hook to get the mm-hmm. kids attention but single from the womb single to the tomb it's not something i thought of i got it from a friend um but that's how how you know normalized it is for my youth and i to actually talk about relationships yeah. some of my kids really are like as they as we talk about relationships they're like okay you know like i see how big of a distraction it is mm-hmm. i'm not gonna date and the few kids that you know that do date they uh they either tell me and they we have like we talk about it Cause it's not something that I enforce. I can't force them to not date. Right. I'm not, you know, I'm not God. Right. But I make it known, like, if you do date, you know, there's a work, there's a right way to do it. You know, right. like you should tell your pastor. And that's why I brought it up. And I think it's a little interesting. I think, I hope, you know, some youth hear this and and uh, they understand, like, you know, don't go to church for that, you know, good looking, you know, guy or girl or you know, that's there. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Go for the Lord. Right. But yeah. That was funny. Yeah, very interesting for sure. All right. All right. <laughs> Other than that, I don't think we have anything else, right? Yeah, I think that's a good. Uh, we'll we'll end it there. As always, uh, follow us on social media, um, TikTok, Instagram, you know, YouTube, all that. Uh, Spotify too. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we do upload the audio on Spotify. Appreciate the listeners. Yeah, which I heard a lot. A lot of our uh, viewers are actually listeners. They they listen to Spotify us on Spotify while they, you know, do homework or work out or drive to wherever they need to go. So 
we appreciate you making us part of your day. Um, I guess until next week, stay safe, be in God's word. Yep. And we'll see you next time. All right. See you guys. Bye. Thank you.